Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi guys, it's episode 67 of Please Advise. I'm Malls. How you doing, Christina Lopez? I'm doing great. Pretty excited. Very excited. Today's a very big show. Big show. It's our first Pulitzer Prize winning guest. <laughs> Jonathan <not> Gold. <laughs> of the LA Times, Mr. Jonathan Gold. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so glad to be here. So I was very tripped out when you agreed to be on the show because I didn't even know you were following me on Twitter for a very long time. And then I was like, wait, that guy follows me? And then it <laughs> took me about several months to work up the guts to DM you. But I'm very pleased you said yes. Of course I will. I've been following you for years. I think you're super fancy. Do you think you're super? You know you're super fancy, oh, right? I'm not super fancy. I think you are. I well, think a lot of people you. think you are. Jonathan. I would like to know what it is that you think makes you qualified to be an advice giver on today's show. Uh, I spend most of my life giving advice, different kinds of advice, usually like where to eat or what to eat or what not to eat. But that's advice. And I was the third string movie critic for the weekly for a while. That was fun. <laughs> I reviewed mostly uh, – Horror movies, movies with numerals after them, and movies starring guys named Corey. <laughs> what, what do you think is the most effective, um, I guess I would say, tool to proper criticism? Well, I, I think what a good critic does is to put what he or she is criticizing in a kind of context to help people understand it, to put the uh, work of art or... The burrito <laughs> under question, you know, uh, within the world, letting you know where it is. Yeah. I mean, it, when you read your work, it's really such a journey. Like you feel very enticed or appropriately put off, depending on how you should feel. And it's very, I don't, it's very special, very special work. And you brought these beautiful macaroons to us today, which never liked a macaroon in my life. Where are these from? They're from Europan in Pasadena. She makes beautiful, beautiful macaroni. I, I can't. Amazing. You're eating uh, the raspberry ones. I Oh, that's what this is? They're amazing. There's also pumpkin spice. Oh, okay. I, I'm going to steal one to bring back to my mom. She'd be mad at me if I didn't. I have um, weed cookies at home. Have you ever reviewed stuff like that? Uh, no, I've never reviewed a weed cookie. No? What uh, do, you, do you think that there's a market for that? Oh, there's a huge market for it. Like, do you think I could be reviewing, like, edibles? Like, that could be a blog I have? Sure. There are a couple papers in Colorado that have weed critics. I think they were just hiring one in Portland, which makes sense. Oh, nice. Um, well, if it becomes legalized in California, that's beyond their medical, would you start? Um, weed makes me even dumber than I usually am, so <laughs> I, I, I don't tend to do it that much. But yeah. it, I was on... I was doing a thing with uh, Roy Choi at UCLA a couple of months ago, and somebody in the audience, after we'd done our you know, presentation or panel or whatever, uh, asked a similar question, asked about the future of edibles. <laughs> and Roy went on for about a half an hour. They practically had to like <laughs> tackle him to get him to stop. <laughs> He's really offended by the state of edibles at the moment. Oh, yeah. Like they could be a lot better. They could be. I mean, you know, that, that, that could be one of his projects down the line, I feel. I have these Weedos at home. They're um, Weed Cheetos, Flamin' Hot. And I, they're fucking unreal. They taste exactly like Flamin' Hot Cheetos, but they have an exceptionally high quality of weed in them. And big milligrams, like 375 milligrams. For one bag. Can you put that in perspective for someone who doesn't? Like a pussy would get high off of like five milligrams or like 10. <laughs> 20 would knock them out. My stepdad was, I shouldn't even say this, but I will. <laughs> My stepdad was 
practically handicapped because of a bag of caramel popcorn last night um, that had maybe 20 milligrams in it. Like he had no idea. He had about half of it. So, but he was, he woke up this morning thinking that he was having like um, blood clots in his legs or something. Um, (laughs) That's very funny. I had, I, I reviewed a dinner for the times, a 420 dinner for the times three years ago. Um, that was at a, you know, a big mansion up in the hills and they got a couple of really sort of famous chefs. Uh, Laurent Kenyu was the biggest one. And I think it was eight or nine courses of, of weed laced food. And nobody was really feeling it much. And the day afterwards, you know, I called and asked and there was, I think for 40 or 45 people, there was one ounce. They weren't getting anybody high at that dinner. That's rude as hell. <laughs> so then what was the point? Like if it wasn't potent enough to get you stoned, then it was just food with like a tiny hint of marijuana in it? It's yeah. the idea of it, I think. Right? I, yeah, I mean, it's not the most delicious herb. No, it's fucking gross. Like I could never, I can't eat those cookies or like when you go there and they're like, oh, there's this brownie. It's like, I don't want to eat a thick, dense double chocolate brownie that also tastes like skunky weed. Right. As opposed to real getting, hard. As opposed to getting like, you know, a beautiful little salmon canal with, uh, <laughs> with a skunk weed Jew. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So let's go over your stats. Cause I think that those are very important as well. So I know you have a son and I know you're married. Do you have a daughter as well? I do have a daughter. How many kids total? Just the two? Just the two. Hmm. Do you like them? Of course I do. Well, I don't know. I was I was gonna start low and see how far you went from there. No, I, I get I get along I get along very well with my children. You would would you go so far as say you love them? Of course I love oh. them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for this peculiar line of more questions. more more than life itself. How Aww. old are they? Uh, uh, my oldest uh, is twenty one. She's a senior in college. Congratulations. Thank you. Thing. Yeah. Uh, you have to, a kid who's almost done with college. That's a big deal. She is. I, I get to stop paying for college, which is the best part. <laughs> exactly. And no, but she, she she's loving college. It's good. And I have a 12 year old who's in junior high. Wow. Is it different when your one kid leaves and is the house just so much quieter? The house is somewhat quieter. My, my daughter wasn't noisy, but it it goes from... How do I put this? It seemed like a very female household for a while, and now it's a very male household. Yeah. Love that for you guys. So is she going to come home when she's done with college and live with you? I don't know. I mean, she's she's majoring in, you know, the lucrative philosophy racket. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, does she have a boyfriend at school? She does. Have you met him? I have. Do you like him? He's a nice guy. Solid kid? Solid Nice, super smart. Um, cool. What was your style of punishing? Do you ground? I have grounded. Um, usually a stern look is sufficient. It's true. I almost feel like I just got angry when I was grounded as opposed to just like that really disappointed look sits with you for a lifetime. Like that's really... Yeah, no more, superior well, punishing. When I was a teenager and I was grounded, the only conceivable thing you could do is to do worse things. So you'd be <laughs> grounded for a lifetime and being grounded for a lifetime is the same thing as not being grounded at all. Okay. So now that we know all that, how long have you been married? Um, since 1990. Do you guys have pets? We have one cat named Chester. Where'd you all meet? Um, the LA Weekly. I was the proofreader and she was the hot intern. Okay, cool. <laughs> and um, you swept her off her feet? Um, I suppose so. We, I, I was sort of mooning after her for a while. She had a, she had a boyfriend and I had a girlfriend. But um, I took her out for a date at the Hollywood Bowl to the dollar seats <laughs> to, to see some uh, Mendelssohn and Dvorak. Invited her up uh, for a slice of peach pie afterwards, and she never left. Wait, were you still dating the other person while you were while this happened? It was tricky. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of overlap. 
a little bit. She was also the gossip columnist for the paper, so there was. <laughs> Wait, the girlfriend? The the girlfriend the, was the gossip columnist. Oh, the one I was with. Uh, yeah, she uh, wrote the Lottie Doc column for uh, the yeah. LA Weekly. It's you totally would have read it, but it's way before your time. Yeah. Wow. Who knew? Scandal. All the scandal was happening Shit. at the weekly. The Aaron Sorkin, tune into this newsroom. Scandals of 1985. <laughs> <laughs> um, tight. Okay, so um, let's do our questions. Do you know our game? Do you fear that? I don't. We're going to like rack your brain to find out all your biggest fears. Okay. Because I feel that they almost tell more about you than any other question I could ask you. So, And be honest. Don't do the guy thing where you, like, don't think about it and, like, meditate on whether or not you fear that. Okay. Do you fear that? One, being naked in front of someone who's angry with you. Yes, I would fear that. Deep space? Definitely. Fire? Um, less so. Food in countries you've never been to? Absolutely not. The dark? No. Unexpectedly seeing a naked adult? No. Clowns? Come see, come saw. Sleeping alone? No. Getting caught talking to yourself in the car? No. Little person porn? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Germs? Sure. Saying a new word out loud for the first time? Does trepidation count as fear? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, the idea that you might be the only person in your friend group who doesn't understand the movie you just saw. No. First dates? Irrelevant. Finding out that you've been suffering from a severe mental illness your entire life? That would be spooky, wouldn't it? Yeah. But also kind of a relief, I feel. Well, I think being a writer is a severe mental illness. Completely. You're right. No, I mean, exactly. It's mostly writers who come on and are like, oh, man, if I found out I had a mental illness, that would explain my life away. I'd well, be great. Well, I mean, you know, the, the synapses misfiring is what we get paid for. So. True. You just want that diagnosis. Uh, watching mold grow on nature shows? No. What you'll see when you look in the mirror? No. Lena Dunham's success? I celebrate it. Dancing in public? No. Singing in public? Yes. Missing out on events or parties? No. Having to go to events or parties? No. That you're a fraud? Always. That no one would ever romantically love you if your face got burned off with acid? No. Mispronouncing someone's name every time you see them and never being corrected? Oh, Lord, I love I love that, and I've done it. Oh, I know. It's the saddest thing in life. <laughs> uh, spending a week in Times Square? An entire week? Mm-hmm. I guess I've done it if you count hotels. So, no. Uh, contracting an STD? No. Blindly reaching into a bag of jelly beans and putting one in your mouth without looking at it? No. Going, into T- or going through TSA? No. Um... Needles. I don't like needles. What's in tap water? I've seen it. It's gross and it's fine. Spending a month or more with your family and only your family? Does that count in-laws? No, just your immediate family. Uh, That's fine. Uh, Sunday nights? No. That you have bad body odor or breath and no one knows how to tell you? Occasionally. Commitment? No. Becoming homeless? No. Change? No. Accidentally falling in love with a stripper or sex worker? No. (laughs) Vomiting? No. Bugs? How many bugs? As many as you want. Well, like, I would say, like, fewer than 20 bugs would be okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Being fisted? Irrelevant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unusually good-looking people? Yes. The dentist? No. Death? No. Knowing what your hot dog is actually made of? I do. You know what it's made of. 
unfortunately, yes. I, it's, it's actually, well, never mind. The, one of the key ingredients of a lot of hot dogs is uh, pork salivary glands. And having know that, I still eat hot dogs. So What, what glands? Salivary glands. They give it a particular bouncy texture. It's part of, the, it's part of certain formulas. That's a weird part. I was not expecting that. Christina, can you unlock this? I'm never going to stop thinking about that. Well, that just makes me think of the whole, like, calamari, like, pig penis story oh, that was on God. This American mm. Life. But I, I was, I was uh, in Australia last week at this restaurant that's famous for serving cow udder. And you, you might think I'd have cow udder everywhere, right? But Presumably, there are millions of cows, and presumably they all have udders, but I've, I've never seen one. It, in Italy, I've seen it. But here, um, he not only takes a cow udder, but he ages it for six months. Oh, appropriate. And then, then he still hasn't figured out how to serve it. He's, he has, like, aged a weak ones that he cuts into slivers. They're a little bit like jellyfish. But this one comes out looking like a slice of pate or something. And it has the taste of like really, really strong provolone cheese. You never think of udder as like being uh, as being a dairy product, but of course it is. Um, why did I start talking about udders? Oh, because you were talking about odd animal parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> What's like the strangest part other other than the cow udder that you've consumed? Well, I'd say that's strange. I mean, the you know, have I had the uh, grilled and grilled and stewed uh, penises of different animals? Yes, I have. Right, uh-huh. of course. But I mean, what's the best tasting animal penis? I uh, I would say none of them. Okay. Okay. Because it's like, I mean, some places you can like order it. Uh, in some places, it just comes in your soup, and you don't know what it is, and then you notice that odd hole, and aha! <laughs> crying in public? I suppose so. Being with a woman who's crying in public? No. Being arrested for a murder you didn't commit? Yes. Heights? Um, modestly. The idea that your worst enemy might be correct and you are, in fact, terrible. Sometimes, yes. Birds. No. Okay, that's it. Do you fear that? I would say you're like medium afraid. You're a healthy amount of afraid. Well, it's good to have some fear in one's life. It is. And also to be able to admit to yourself that's a fear. Do you know how many people have come in here and tried to look me in the eye and say that being arrested for a murder they didn't commit is not a fear of theirs? Who hasn't thought of that at one time or another? Apparently, people have great faith in our justice system as if, like, uh, no. no. Why would I be afraid of that? And it's just like, they still don't know what happened on Serial Man, you know? Just saying, a lot of people are trying to figure that out. Okay, you want to take our calls? Hey, Walls. Uh, my name's Sarah. Um, my dilemma, I guess, is I've been working for the same company for 10 years, and I think I'm okay at my job. Um, I've been promoted a few times, but uh, I think I'm being taken advantage of a bit, uh, mainly uh, maybe because I'm a female. I feel I'm probably not getting paid as many as my male counterparts, and just wondering what you guys think I should do. Uh, just think I, it's time maybe to move on to greener pastures. Thanks for your advice. Bye. Well, I kind of think that if you're not being paid what you should be, it either means two things. One, you're not being taken seriously, or two, you're seriously not that good at your job. Um, I think when you're unsatisfied in any working place, even if you're satisfied, I think it's never a bad idea to always be looking and keep your options open. And it doesn't sound like you're absolutely loving what you're doing. You you don't mention anything about that, just that – you might not getting be getting paid enough. Right. So why not do something that's just going to rock your world every day that you do it? And the other thing is, is there's really no way to have, unless you know your coworkers are making more money than you, there's no way to talk to your boss about that without sounding like a paranoid person. And if you do know they're making more than you, um, that's actually 
most workplaces consider that a pretty big faux pas to for employees to discuss their salaries with one another. And you have no, I mean, that person could have more experience with you than you. It could absolutely have to do with the fact that you're a female. I definitely, definitely know that that's an issue. But yeah, it's um, such a hot button topic right now. Too. But I wouldn't necessarily jump to that. That's definitely the reason why. Uh, I would, I would say at least you know, 50, 60%, it would be the reason why. Right. Most of the time, it would be the reason why. However, just if it's not, you want to thoroughly investigate all of those options. If you're not good at that job, and that's maybe why you're not promotable and why you've plateaued, um, you, it seems like you've been there for a really long time. And I don't know, her voicemail kind of sounded to me like she's not being taken seriously there. Yeah, I mean, there's that sort of tentativeness about it, right? It's like people who are aggressive, people who are noisy tend to be the ones who get the promotions, who get maybe more money sometimes. And she sounds sort of trepidatious about the whole thing. So that made me wonder if there wasn't if there was something she wasn't telling us, like something socially happened at work that it sounded when she was just in that. Usually, I, I think that kind of trepidation is to speak slowly so you don't reveal that you're hiding a big part of the story. Right. I mean, she listens to the podcast, so she's obviously a woman of taste and discernment. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, I don't know. You think she should just get a new job? I think she should keep her options open. Yeah. Definitely be looking. Don't quit anything before you have a new something set up, though. All right. Next call. Hey, Mom. This is season again. I just left a message. I didn't have, like, my thoughts in order. All right. I'm 32. My name's Season. I'm from New Jersey. Um, I ha- My boyfriend is 43. This whole relationship is turning me into a different person. I've always been the girl that didn't really care, like, with my boyfriend and things like that. And, like, for, like, a year and a half straight, he was just, just all over me. He was in love with me. And... And then for, like, the last six months, he just totally um, pulled away. And I didn't really do anything for that. You know, I I haven't changed myself. And then I I realized I changed myself when he starts pulling away. Like, so we're constantly fighting. I've turned into, like, this needy girlfriend, and I've never been that girl. So I I don't really know what to do. I don't have friends because every friend I've ever had has kind of ticked me in some way. So um, I listen to you guys' podcast, and I don't know. I just hope you can help me in some way, shape, or form. Even if you don't call me back, if you can just, like, touch on the topic, like, I think you're probably going to tell me to break up with them, which I'm kind of feeling anyway. I would really, 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 could really use your advice. So please advise. Thanks, Miles and Crow. Bye. You got it, Season. You got to break up with this guy. (laughs) Right? Completely. I mean, you're not even asking the question. You're asking us to bless you in your decision. And we do. Do you want to know what jumps out to me? He's 43. He's 43. You're 32. But he's 43. And... I'm guessing never married. That probably has a lot to do with why he's pulling away at a year and a half. And I think he's adverse to commitment. Maybe he just doesn't like you. Or, or, or maybe you're bored with him. But anybody who makes you change in a way that is unpleasant to you or, or makes you doubt yourself, that's totally toxic. Yeah, it sounds like... It sounds like it was all working for him the first year and a half. And then when you had to start being a human all of a sudden, that wasn't working. Yeah, something it I, I think he might be acting or pulling away so that she initiates the breakup because he it seems like he might not have the guts to actually break up with her. Oh, that's really smart. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's very common. So, yep, yep, yep. So uh please call back when you've broken up and tell us about your new happier relationship i'm also kind of concerned that she like doesn't have any friends because all of her friends have kind of screwed her over and i'm not really sure like 
she, she has no friends. This is her only relationship. Like maybe there's something that she needs to work on with herself in order to keep relationships in general going with people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Season. I love her. Love this girl. Don't doubt yourself. You're not stalking me. You're super fun. Call all the time. I'm excited. I think honestly to be 32 living in New Jersey, single, Sounds like it all adds up to me. Adds up to a fun time. Going to the city, get some cocktails, whatever. All right, next call. Hey, Molly. Um, I'm 25, and I just moved um, to a new state, and I have been living in my apartment for about two months. And um, the day after I signed my lease, my landlord, like, he started out normal. He was fine, whatever. It's this guy that's, like, I don't know, I think he's, like, in his 50s, maybe, or, like, late 40s, early 50s, probably. And um, he was normal and everything. And then the day after I signed my lease, like, my outlets in my kitchen weren't working, so he came over to fix those, and we were talking. And he starts going on and on about how, um, like, attractive I am and stuff and it's like made me super uncomfortable and um I just didn't really know what to do so I just kind of like giggled or whatever did not respond and then he left so he has been texting me tonight I've been living there like two months no problems whatever he's been texting me tonight he called me he sent me a text and was like hey how are you I don't need anything I was just thinking about you my new friend what's up and that was weird. So I was like, I'm good. How are you? And he was like, nothing. Um, I just want to come chill with you. I really liked our first interaction, like blah, 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 like asking me to hang out. And I am super uncomfortable and I don't know what to say. And I don't know really what to do. I really like my apartment and I didn't know it was going to be like this, but I'm afraid that if I reply with the wrong thing, then he's going to be shitty and not like, fix problems around the house that might pop up, you know, in the next year. So what would you do if you were in this situation? Super fucking weird, um, really unprofessional, and I really don't know how to proceed. So what would you do if you were me? Thank you. Simple. You entered a business relationship with him, and that's all you're paying for. Uh so just don't respond if he asks you personal questions like, hey, how you doing? It's not appropriate on your end or his. It's like, and don't just don't engage. What do you think? Yeah, not engaging is definitely the best advice. If he texts you four or five more times and he gets no response, he's one hopes going to get the hint. And if he makes and if he does something that's actually inappropriate, just tell him that's inappropriate i think i love i love the apartment and i appreciate what you did to the kitchen and we should leave it at that yeah and and you know if it gets any worse than that like every city has like a housing bureau or something that you can call and are you positive he's the owner of the building because he may just be the building manager in which case he's probably just like watching it for the. i mean how does this guy have money to own a building are you sure it's him just maybe make sure because if not, then he's working for someone and you can, uh, who do you, do you make your checks out to him? I don't know. Just things to think about. I, I don't know. I don't even know if that part matters because if he is the building manager, he has his, the relationship would probably be exactly the same as if he were, you know, the actual guy who owned the building. Well, um, if he was told to leave cause he was inappropriately interacting with residents, that would be great. Yeah, that that's that part is true. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Only if he has a boss, you know, that's the only I mean, yeah, just I would definitely once your lease is up, though, look. I mean, can you break your lease? I would break my lease. You could break a lease, but then the then there might be potential uh, legal ramifications to that it's hard yeah, to when know she's 25 when i was 25 i would have just giggled too and been uncomfortable uh i'm a little bit more self-righteous now or <laughs> like a, aware of my rights <laughs> whatever <laughs> I, I, I used to have a 
a landlord who would like come and snoop in my apartment when I wasn't there, which was so wrong. Dude, what? Tell me everything. <clears throat> uh, 23. How'd you find 22. out? Um, I... I had a copy of Playboy or something that was like stuck behind a couch. And he actually like comes to my door and like, what for you, you know, what for you reading this filth? Like, what filth? Did you find like a William Burroughs novel or something? Right. And then, then he starts talking about this magazine that I completely forgot that I had. And I don't know. It was, it was weird. And you were like, why were you behind my couch? Yeah, I, I moved out about two, three months after that. Oh, what, what, where was that in L.A.? It was in L.A. Yeah, I lived above a kosher butcher shop on the near the corner of Pico and Robertson. Oh, I know exactly where that is. I used to go uh, to Pilates down there. Go to that Starbucks. Was that Starbucks there when you lived there? Oh, no, this, this, this was this was pre, pre <laughs> Starbucks. <day. laughs> um, what was uh, what was your other worst renting? Um, I've, I've been pretty lucky so far. I, my first apartment when I was in college was in that same neighborhood and it was weirdly cheap. I mean, I think it was $95 a month, which is nobody, nobody pays that for rent. And I found out that it had been a unit that had been completely flooded and nothing worked and all the electricity was out and all my neighbors like spent their days, you know, taking the bus down to the Santa Monica beer, catching fish, coming back and grilling it in the parking lot. <laughs> it was it was definitely a subsistence living yeah. apartment complex. But wild times. I think the worst was when I had bed bugs and I just had like a dick landlord who didn't speak English and was just so mean to me. And like made me illegally like forced me to pay for everything and I had no money. Uh, it just was awful. It was really bad. There was like no building wide cooperation, which was should have been the first thing that happened. You know, your bed bug story is totally famous. My bed bug story totally kills me. I was like going through all my things the other day, like why I feel I carry around so much emotional trauma all the time. And I'm like, let's go through it. Moved to LA with my college boyfriend, started having a panic attack, started having regular panic attacks. Broke up with my boyfriend, got a new job, started dating my boss, got a dog, lost my job, started working from home and partying all the time. Then I got bed bugs. Then, like, my dad died. It just was like a long, everything happened, like, in the last six years. I'm fucking tired. Man, I started my company. I sold my company. I got a job. I quit it. I mean, I'm just, it's been a lot. I'm tired. That's a lot to go through. That when you add the landlord on top of that, it makes it even worse. God damn it, Jung Choi. That was his <laughs> name, Jung Choi. He was such a dick. He tried to charge me for my security deposit. And I just was like, fine, I'm not paying you my last month's rent. And he called me crying. Did, anyway. Was that one of those giant Koreatown buildings? or? Uh, no, they were, uh, it was like a little, I always lived in like small, like four or five unit buildings. Mm -hmm. And this was like, I guess it looked like a two-story house from the outside, but it was actually apartment units, like four on the bottom and then six on top. And then both of the side units were the one I lived in was a bachelor. When I read your story, I was totally sure I knew what building it was. But I thought it was one of the big ones, which was next to um, this place in the neighborhood we used to call, uh, you know, Motel Hell. <laughs> no. The, the best time was... was uh, Oh, I guess best is definitely relative in this case. But but I, I I was I was visiting a friend and the people in in Motel Hell were having this long protracted screaming fight. And then the the woman like screamed out, I'm going back to New York and then there's bang <gasps> silence. I have no idea what happened. I think we know what happened. But I think we know what happened. Wait, you didn't check, like, the newspapers the next day, or you've never gone back and checked, like, for, like, murder announcement? I kept waiting for the sound of an ambulance or a police car or... That, you know, that's, it, it's, being, it's being 20 in the big city. 
I had an ex uh, many, many years ago, and he was running late to a stand-up show one night, and he heard a gun go off, and he was like, fuck. Like, 10 minutes later, the police come around, knocking the door. They're like, did you hear a gun go off? And he was late, so he was just like, no, I didn't. And they're like, okay, cool. Next day, they found a dead lady in the adjacent backyard. Wow. Yeah, so don't lie to the police, man. If you see something or hear something, say something. Uh, I hope she made it back to New York, though. I, I really hope she made it back to New York. At least her body, you know? <laughs> oh, I, I hope she made it back intact. I hope he was just shooting it in the air for... Right, and then they whispered from there out. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, sorry about that, girl. By the way, uh, Misery loves companies. So if you guys have a really bad landlord story or something crazy or freaky that we should just be hearing, 323-450-7408, leave it on the machine. If it's juicy and most likely true, we can tell when you're lying. Uh, We'll air it on the show. All right. Next call. Okay, models. I'm a huge fan. You're a boss bitch. I love what y'all are doing over there. Keep it up. You are who I want to be in my 30s, for real. Um, My name is Gabby, first of all. I have a very millennial situation going on over here. Um, I'm in love with a dude that I'm on Instagram and am about to meet in two weeks. This is super weird for me, to be honest. But I'm really excited. He lives in New York. I live in San Diego. We've been talking all day, every day since August, and he's legit become one of my best friends also. Um, he wants to move here and it's been his plan to get out of New York for a while. So we're both on the same page, super obsessed with each other. I'm usually very cautious and kind of smarter when in relationships. I always have the upper hand. Um, but in this case, you know, if he moves here in January as planned, I want to live together and get a fucking dog and just do the whole nine, which I've never done before because I feel like I finally found the real shit and I don't want to waste any time. Not in a rush to get married or anything like that. I just want to be around him and build a life with him. Um, I'm 26 with a great job and lots of goals and side hustles. I've always been fine being alone and have dated a bunch. Um, he's 28 with a good job, too, that he could keep here, and he's got a good track record of relationships, too. Good track record. Um, and he's also had, like, long periods of being single, so he's not just some codependent fuck. Um I feel like this would be worth diving into because I've just always held back in in relationships, even when they've been serious in the past. And I was dating other people at first. You know, we first started talking and getting to know each other, of course. But um, now at this point, I can't even fathom giving anybody else my time and attention. Am I crazy is my question. Um, Would you do something like this? I mean, my parents might freak out because they're kind of religious nuts and they're in the Midwest, but even that really wouldn't stop me at this point. I I don't really care what anyone else thinks, you know, personally in my life, but I want your point of view. I don't know if you're huge into the online dating thing. This is definitely not something I, like, actively was pursuing, obviously. Just randomly commented on a picture one day, and we started talking from there, and it was just... Yeah, I'll happen. So please advise. Think smalls. Bye. Oh man, I'm maybe I'm thinking too much like a dad with a daughter in his twenties. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like meet the guy first, hang out, see whether he right. likes going to the zoo, see whether he, you know, pets dogs and is nice to the cashier at the seven eleven. Exactly. There's so much stuff you don't know from the phone. Right. Exactly. I mean I understand the impulse, of course. Like, when you feel really strong feelings for someone, the first thing you want to do is be like, okay, so, like, how can it just be us? And like, get a house and a dog and blah, blah, blah. It's also a really big deal when you make those decisions hastily because they're very expensive and very emotional to get out of. Uh, there's something that require a lot of thought. I think if he came to San Diego and you guys had a great time, uh, even if it was like the best week of both of you's lives, I still wouldn't recommend moving in right away. You guys should prolong that dating process and really like get to know each other and have it feel 
very special and organic in real life, especially and organic as it felt to get to know each other on the phone. Like he should be whining and dining you. Don't skip over that. He has a lot of dates to pay for. Uh, uh, dating is really fun. It's really fun. And you do it a lot less when you're at a, when you're a homeowner. You kind of don't want to leave the house as much, especially if you're young and you just bought a house. Like you guys should he should rent an apartment and you should just keep working and go out on dates with him. That's it. Right? I, I mean, it's it. We're not saying that he's not the guy. He may well be the oh, guy, yeah. and it may be like a, just a, the best ever cute meat story. But you've got to know first because you don't want to be like twenty eight years old and sort of petrified with rage every evening because this guy who you don't know is turns out to be controlling. Yeah, I really. Yeah, I think you're dead on. Uh, there, there's too many things. I, I think it's, it totally, it's the little things. You've never seen him order coffee. Like you've never seen how he does <laughs> those things. Like, does yeah, he take the trash out when it's full? Like, <laughs> right. It's important. Yeah. Um, so Jonathan, how long have you been married? Um, 25 years. Okay. So like what awareness level do you have about how dating is now? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, her MeQ story is that she met him on Instagram. And it's, like, that, that's very common now for people to just meet through social media. I think media. it's well, well, weird uh, that she's weirded out by it. <laughs> no, I mean, meeting on Instagram is fine. It, it doesn't matter how you meet. It, it matters how you communicate. It matters how you get together. Yeah. I mean, there have always been strange ways to meet. And Instagram is I guess probably like, less strange than other ways, at least. Like a personal ad back in the, from the newspaper. That's kind, oh, of, yeah. that's kind of like a weird, that. like, I don't know. I can imagine just like meeting someone that way now. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was just trying to think of like what technology was available back then. Man, I, <laughs> 25 years ago. Even I barely remember personal ads. So I used so, to read them in the town newspaper when I was a kid, which is weird because my town was like 10,000 people. So like, what? <laughs> Though I did spend a million years working at the LA Weekly, and I, I must admit for a long time, that's what supported the paper. Yeah, personal, no, that's really? uh, wow. same thing with like uh, the Village Voice. Village like, Voice, yeah. definitely. How much is it to pages? take out a personal ad? Back then, I think they were free because people just liked reading them, and it became a way of driving circulation. But I, wow, we we did we didn't charge that much for them at any rate. Yeah, that's awesome. Love it. Uh, I think we what we charged for was the, was the uh, the phone box, or or, or the, oh. the mailbox, so you could like communicate with the person oh, without yeah, having yeah. to give out your actual oh, address. I, I didn't even think about that. Like, right, there had to be like you. So you guys handled that, or um, they were people who worked for the paper, but they were in a separate building a mile down the street. So cool. <laughs> um, God, I actually remember before the internet. That makes me a thousand years old. No, <laughs> no I, I mean, remember we remember too. what life was like before the internet, but we never had to do like adult things before the internet. So like finding an apartment meant that you had to go through the newspaper to do that. Yeah, yeah I, I, found, I found my apartment, my best apartment ever in the pages of the LA Weekly. I'm still good for a good old fashioned yellow pages look up. I don't mind doing a yellow page look up. Yellow pages are great. Yeah, they're great. They're and, just fun to read. And I have I have like a giant stack, like as tall as a person of uh, yellow pages in different languages. Oh, wow. I look for restaurants in it, right? And sometimes right. you'll find something in the Khmer yellow pages or you'll find in the Japanese yellow pages. That's awesome. Or you'll awesome. find in the Thai yellow pages. Wow. The Chinese yellow pages is like 10 times the size of the one that gets get. thrown on your door. Yeah. Wait, how is that possible? Is it longer and wider as well? I mean, because it can't. How big would it be? Those books are already so gigantic. They're pretty big, but it's like sometimes it's, I think, 2,400 pages. That's insane. And there's like 100 pages of restaurants, which is obviously what I'm looking for in them. But. China, cool it on the people. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's ridiculous. All right, so you're good. <laughs> Let's do some table topics. Okay. It's a very fun dinner party game we play here. <laughs> we, uh... Ask you some table topics. You answer them as if you were at a dinner party. 
So there'd be a little bit of a lull after the main course, but before the dessert. You know, nobody ever invites me to dinner parties. Really? I think they're afraid of what I'll think of the food. Oh, uh, I can understand that. Like it, having a food critic in your home critiquing your the food that you cooked. Yeah, so, so I either get – my dinner party invitations are either like – I get them from close friends. Yeah. Um, or I get them from people for who is on their bucket list, oh. which is really bad. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you feel the pressure to, like, be someone else or whoever they imagine that you are based on what you've written? Yeah, the big the big snooty restaurant critic thing. Yeah, definitely. But I have to find a way of talking about the food in a way that will will please them. Yeah. Again, that's not my And close you can friends. see that expression on their face as you're talking about it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. These are the people I don't know that well. It was yeah. funny because like on the way here to the apartment, you were talking about um, speaking at a librarian conference. Right. And I asked you what the weirdest speaking engagement you ever had was. And mm-hmm. you mentioned like a chef's funeral, which was I thought was interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it was a while ago, but I spoke at the funeral of a chef that I didn't actually know that well and i hadn't like reviewed his food in the most positive terms and i'm up there and i'm doing my whatever four or five minutes and trying to make it positive and lovely but give it some gravitas yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's a okay i did i i didn't even get to recycle it into a piece it's the worst (laughs) i know right (laughs) but we can use it here um okay so here's your first table topic if your personal credo were an acronym what would it be are you trying to think of the thing or are you trying to think of the actual acronym no i'm trying i'm trying to think of a thing (laughs) um PA, proofread always. Love. Mm-hmm. Or please advise. Um, <laughs> That's a beautiful one also. Even What's more your sexiest outfit? I only have one outfit, so it would ha- I'm basically head to toe Brooks You're Brothers. You're wearing it? Yeah, <laughs> so. Brooks Brothers is very sexy. Uh, how much would you have to be paid to spend a year in jail? I don't think there's amount of money that could keep me away from my family that long. Wow. See, I'd do it for like 100000 <laughs> Uh What's your biggest pet peeve? So, so many pet peeves. Um, poor grammar. <laughs> uh, what does the opposing political party do better than yours? Um, gets people angry. Uh, how would you murder someone and get rid of the body? I I would never murder anybody. What don't women want? That's an excellent question. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't be gender specific on that. Yeah. Mold, moldy food. True. Um, how far into a pregnancy should abortion be allowed? Um, as long as it's safe. Word. I agree. Uh, if you were in jail and could request any person to break you free, who would you choose? Um, Dr. Dre. <laughs> Why Dr. Dre? <laughs> I don't know. It seems appropriate somehow. I, I I used to write a lot about him in the days when I was hip hop. Yeah. How did you get into that gig? Um, I don't know. I was sort of the. I wasn't the only person covering hip hop in the in LA hip hop in the eighties, but I was kind of the only person covering hip hop. That's kind in the of 80s. like a huge chunk of that era for that genre of music. Oh yeah, no, I was the first person to write about NWA. I was the first person to write about Easy and those guys. Um. What did you think of it? I thought it was I thought it was astonishing. I mean, the yeah. idea that there was this music that was this popular that people loved that you couldn't even buy in record stores, right? People were selling it out of the trunks of their cars or at swap meets. And I've always, as a writer, one of the things that you want, or as a reporter, is to write about things that not everybody else is writing about. So obviously, with 
with food, I started going and writing about kinds of food that other people weren't covering at the time. But with music, too, everybody was writing about sort of post-punk, and they were writing about, um, you know, U2, and they were writing about sort of roots music, and they were writing about, you know, the kind of stuff that, I mean, that you would often hear on, like, Casey, Morty Becomes Eclectic now. Right, right, right. But people thought that, you know, hip-hop was too vulgar and heavy metal was too vulgar. And so it was, it was a fun. Fad, yeah. and, and it was, but it wasn't. It was obviously the great stuff was going on. It was like incredibly wonderful to be able to go into a small club and see a band like Slayer or to go to, you know, Compton and to see, you know, The Egyptian Lover. Wow. Who, what was your favorite album of that era that you, while you were reporting on it? Uh, straight out of Compton. I mean, yeah. Did what? you see the movie? <laughs> I did see the movie, yeah. yeah. What did you think of it? Um, I, it was overly romantic in a lot of ways. It wasn't super straightforward, but I'm the exact wrong person to ask about that, probably. Yeah. I, I actually wrote Well, I mean, like you were, um, maybe you're not because you know the music I know that a lot most people do now. Oh, I, I know the music and I know the people involved in most of the incidents in the film. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the woman who wrote the screen, the screenplay for the film had, you know, said, at least on Twitter, that, you know, my, the piece that I wrote back in 88 was her inspiration. I covered some other stuff by people I probably actually can't name here. But one person who's incredibly famous, who uh, at the time when he was on MTV all the time, was sort of accused of holding up a Taco Bell. Wow. And I don't know whether he did or I don't know whether he didn't. Um, he had great lawyers and got off. But um, I kind of tend to think that he might have and the idea that it's it's that disconnect, right? Yeah. There, there were other people who were like incredibly famous sort of gangster rappers who rap a lot about their time in jail and the crime they committed was forging food stamps, which they would rather die than admit in public. Yeah. I uh, pulled some uh, food-specific <laughs> questions out. How long can food be on the ground and still be fair game for eating? Um, there is... Some people talk about the five-second rule, but actually they've done the, uh, the research and bacteria is on the food the second it bounces off the floor. So technically, no time at all. It's on the floor. It belongs to the dog. Okay, fair. Uh, <laughs> what alcohol can you never drink again? Um, Manischewitz. Oh, yeah. Good one. I realized I had I was at the spa the other day. I was getting a colonic of all things, and it was very, very painful, <laughs> very painful. And uh, the woman's like, "Here, relax, smell this," and like she gives me a cap full of orange oil, and I smell it, and I like threw it across the room instinctively because I had a Bacardi O incident, a rum flavor, an orange flavored rum incident in college, and she was like. You know, people say that people who don't like orange um, are afraid of joy and um, joy and abundance. I said, it's possible. I said, but I also just think this smell has made me want to throw up since that one night freshman year. You know, it's funny. Bacardi O was the first alcohol I ever had yeah. at like 17 or something like that. Wow. But <laughs> it, and, and, and having it administered during a bad colonic cannot make it any more no. pleasurable. <laughs> no, it was pretty brutal. I, I, I will say, I will say though, as, as like a cook, if you're, if you're making something like a cookie or cake and you put just like a little tiny bit of orange floor water in there, you can't taste it, but it's sort of there um, like subconsciously and it makes everything taste like just that tiny bit better. You're not going to do that, but you could. Okay. I might do that. That doesn't sound bad. Uh, what restaurant has the worst food? Um, I've been there. It's in Cambodia, and I can't pronounce its name. Why was it so bad? Oh, let's just say it involves water buffalo fur. Oh, no, <laughs> thank you. 
<laughs> okay, uh, this is not necessarily food related, but it does seem appropriate for the dining experience. Where's the worst place you've had to relieve yourself? In a um, porta potty at a music festival. We just had a conversation about that in the last episode. <laughs> oh my God, what a baby. That's the worst place. That's like, eh, that's not, that doesn't even crack my top 10. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there's the advantage of being a dude, right? I mean, you yeah. just like stand and deliver. There's, it's not difficult. But I'm a girl. I know. <laughs> and I still don't think it's that bad. Day three of the music festival. <laughs> what music festival was it? There's so many. <laughs> so like any musical festival. Any Coachella. Musical festival. Yeah, have you been to Coachella? I've never been to Coachella. I don't know how they, I've never been. I don't know how they control the uh, porta potty smell there because it's just so hot. That actually makes me want to kill myself. I have no interest in going to Coachella, just so you know. I just really want to go to Bonnaroo all the time. <laughs> anyway. Okay, one more call. <laughs> Hi, Malls. My name is Allison, and I'm from New York. I'm 24, and I live with my best friend from college. We've been living together for seven years now. Um, her name is Julie, and she recently got back together with this ex-boyfriend of hers. She and he dated back in college. Oh, his name is Ricky. Uh, they dated in college, and um, while they were dating, he began a relationship with another one of our really close friends, and then with another one of our really close friends, and he was hooking up with the three of them, kind of simultaneously, on and off, sporadic, um, was deciding which one to choose to date. Anyway, eventually they break up, because who wouldn't break up with this guy? Um, and that was five years ago. They're still talking, and he recently came back to New York, and they've been dating. Only for a week now, uh, but it's getting pretty serious. They say, I love you. Again, um, he wants to marry her, the whole deal. It's very dramatic. I don't like him. You know, I never forgave him for everything he did to my best friend and other friends of mine. I just don't trust the guy. And I don't see um, why she needs to get back together with him. But it's fine. I told her that if she's happy with him, then I'm happy for her and that she can date him, obviously. Um, but she's very, very intent on getting my opinion about it and having my approval because she, quote-unquote, won't date him if I don't approve of it. But that's not true. She'll date him no matter what. I mean, he's got some sort of hold on her. Um, anyway, so my biggest issue is she's very forceful of the fact that we are friends. And I don't really see the point of being friends with him. I don't like him. Um, he's around the apartment. I'm cordial with him. But she wants some sort of closeness that I don't see the point of. I don't trust him. I don't like him. I don't see the point of being friends with him. I know he's inevitably going to break her heart again. So what's the point of getting to know him? Mm, I mean, maybe you should start with just telling your friend that your opinion about anything she does shouldn't matter. <laughs> I, I mean, really, you should never make any decision. I just say, why does it matter to you what I think? Yeah, I mean, five. realistically, five years is past. He's past the statute of limitations. Oh, of course. And that he's like, even biologically, like all your cells are completely different after five years. <laughs> and, you know, if he really digs her and he's going to marry her and she's happy, then cool. I mean, this isn't the time to, to come down really hard on that one. It seems like you already have. It seems like she's already considered what she's considering and... All you can do is like smile, nod, and maybe a, a tiny, tiny, I told you so when they break up in six months. <laughs> yeah, in terms of hanging out with them, I mean, you don't have to do stuff just the three of you. Like, just always make sure there's a buffer. You know, you have another friend there so that when this guy's acting like an asshole, you can just look at her and then you're both smile and say, uh-huh, uh-huh, I've seen it too, uh-huh, yep. I and love if, that friend moment. <laughs> and if there is the three of you, that's why God invented wine. I mean, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe you'll like Ricky a little more after the threesome. That's where I'm seeing this going. By the way, who was eating in the background during this call? I'm like, is, is your roommate there right now eating macaroni and cheese in front of you? Um, she's asked me if I like him and like she's eating right in front of you. That's the picture I'm picturing. Maybe you're at work. I don't know. Have either of you ever like had a friend who's a significant other you didn't really care for? 
Oh yeah, it happens all the time. Sure, most of them, to be honest. But my thing, <laughs> but my thing is, it's like, do I like them? No. Do I have to fuck them? No. Problem solved. Like, I, mean, I mean, sometimes it's hard when, when when you're friends with somebody and their significant other doesn't care for you much. Yeah, it sucks. But you know, it's like having a friend who has a really shitty best friend. Like I have friends like that. Where I'm just like, oh, that person brings you down so far and you're so cool. I wish you could see that. Odds are you're just not going to like most people you meet. The world is too big for you to like everyone you meet. Statistically, not possible. So you just have to kind of, I don't know, deal with it somehow. Whether you figure, I mean, my way of dealing with it is to not deal with it. I just opt out and I don't care if anyone thinks I'm unfriendly or mean. I just know I'll be a lot more unfriendly and a lot more mean if I'm very uncomfortable all night. And if if something bad happens, you know, just be nice to your friend. That, that's all. Yeah, I don't know. I, it sucks. This is what you guys always want to know. It's like, how do I, I just... You're also at that age, I guess, where they're not like 30 and they're they're kind of like a little bit more aware that their whole universe doesn't all have to be on the same page. Um, when you're 24, like you still are kind of preoccupied with making sure like everything adds up, like so-and-so gets along with so-and-so. I feel like that's a little bit more what they're doing. Yeah. And, I think that, yeah. And, and I don't think any of us really wants to be judged for, you know, the things that we did when we were 19. Yeah. Exactly. That's true. You shouldn't be holding him accountable for things that he did when he was 19. Like, he was a completely different person, and, like, the level of maturity was completely different. And also, college is crazy. Like, people do stuff like that. That's absolutely – I I did that in college. I had, like, 17 (laughs) boyfriends my first week. So, uh, Jonathan Gold, where can our listeners find you on the internet? Uh, You can find me at latimes.com. And on that, Twitter? That, 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 that's, a, that's a boring place. And on Twitter, I'm <laughs> at the J Gold. I'm, uh, are you on Insta? Uh, technically, but no. Okay. That's fair. I will be. I will be on Insta. I mean. You're not posting food I'm pics not posting... all day, all, every day? Do you have an opinion about that? Like people who just well, are obsessed with capturing their food? It's odd sometimes going out with friends and they take pictures of. Like every item of food you get at every particular angle and it gets cold and it deflates right. and they're still sort of like positioning it. Yeah. I, I'm kind of liking this new wave of restaurants that has lighting that's actually sort of beautiful to be in but really crappy to take Instagram pictures in. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy that as you well. You just came out with your big restaurant list, right? Yeah. That Was that so hard for you to have to eat all that food to come up with that list? It's so hard. Uh, every year I come out with the 101 best restaurant uh, guide for the LA Times. And in order for there to be 101 restaurants, there have to be many, 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 many more restaurants like that under consideration. And I basically have eaten at almost all of them within the last year. So it takes up a lot of time. Wow. And How much do you eat in one average like if you're trying to add something on the list and you kind of need, you know, you have to blow through it to experience it, but you can't spend too much time there. What would you, how would you pick? Um, a lot of times when I'm trying to figure out what restaurant I'm going to review, I'll go and visit, you know, three or four in a day and I'll have just like, you know, a couple nibbles at each trying to see what's great. When I'm doing the list, I have a pretty good idea of what's good. So it just, Ordinary meals, I guess, but not necessarily eating all of all of them because I would die. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever go incognito to restaurants? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not anonymous. I, I stopped doing that earlier this year. Um, I'm fairly distinctive looking and restaurateurs know what I look like when I go into restaurants. Restaurateurs know what every critic who matters looks like when they yeah. go into restaurants. It's, it's how they make their living. 
And all of them to a person think that what they do when they see a critic coming is going to make a huge difference. It's going to be able to blow them away this time. But in fact, you can't cook better than you cook and you can't get ingredients better than you can have. And your concept isn't going to change because I walk in the door. You're pretty much going to be what you're going to be. And there was so much of that me pretending not to notice them, pretending not to notice me, noticing them, noticing me. And it just got way too meta. I will always make reservations under fake names. I'll use fake numbers if I have fake, um, you know, open table accounts. I have friends reserve. I show up a little bit late, so I won't be seated in a special place. I try to do what I can. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it works. Have people ever made, like, over-the-top gestures just that were completely inappropriate? Well, I thought the funniest one lately was in a restaurant in Hollywood. Um, you know, I you know I I walked in, you know, waited for a table. Somebody like came out of the kitchen, saw me, it looked like he'd seen Casper the Friendly Ghost, <laughs> <laughs> and like goes back into the kitchen, and you can just see him and the like, they're like peeking around to see if I've left yet every few seconds. And <laughs> after about ten minutes, I think. They figured that I was there for the duration and they served me dinner. I would love to have that power to instill that fear in people. But it's not real. It's, yeah, it's like, again, it's like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Yeah. It's like going, hi, guys. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> That was adorable. <laughs> All right, you guys, please call us anytime, 323-450-7408. Tell your friends to call. Tell them to stop bitching to you and to just give us a, a quick ring. We'll be happy to deal with them. Email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com. You can also send us your voice notes there. We love the way those sound. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just look up Please Advise, PLZ Advise. We're there. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud.com slash Please Advise. And, of course, rate us and subscribe to us on iTunes if you leave five stars and a nice comment. We might read it on the show. All right. Cool. Christina, any final words? No? You're all good? I'm good. Final words, Jonathan Gold? I'm so happy to be here in Mall's Land. I'm so happy you're here, too. Um, okay, well, that was it, you guys. Uh, have a great week. God bless.